Yes, sir. The kids can be dismissed right now. Amen. All right. I thought he's already getting excited about the service back there, raising his arm. Amen. All right. We are thankful, though, to be here. Uh, uh, we were, we, when Pastor Yoder originally called uh, about us coming and filling in this morning, he had wanted us to come in the past and be able to present our ministry, and we just our schedules didn't work. COVID messed some things up. Uh, but, um, but I didn't think this morning would work. Uh, we, had, we had a service scheduled and then a service this evening, or so I thought. And so I, I told him, I said, we're supposed to be a Montevideo. I don't know that I can make it. And then as I was talking, I thought, let me look at my calendar and make sure something's not right with that Montevideo service. And, and uh, I looked and realized that was an afternoon service. And uh, so they start at 1 o'clock. So I called the pastor there. He said, we'll wait and start at 2. We'll just do Sunday school at 1 over here. It's a church plant. So they, they're a little more flexible. And so I called Pastor Yoder back and said, we can make it. And uh, I, was, I was thankful for the opportunity to be able to come. So I say that to say, number one, thank you for allowing us to come and be here this morning uh, to present our ministry and then to fill in preaching. Uh, but also to let you know that I won't be preaching very long because I do have to be in Montevideo by 1.30. Amen. And uh, so it's your lucky Sunday. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to make this short and sweet. I do want to say if you're here and you are a first-time visitor, even though I am just about a first-time visitor as well, I thank you for being here. And as far as I'm concerned, you're in the best place in Brookings you could be this morning. Amen. In the Bible Baptist Church. And I'm so thankful you're here. Uh, this is, I know this church... Uh, uh, we've been here several times, I guess, over the years, and when I say a first-time visitor, I'm joking, but really, I feel like it because I haven't been here in probably two or three years now, uh, but, uh, but, but this is a good church, and I thank the Lord for the testimony that he has right here in Brookings, and a church that stands up unashamedly to preach the truths of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Amen. All right, we're going to look in Luke chapter 15 here this morning. Luke 15 is our text, and uh, Pastor Yoder said, brother, you have liberty to preach Whatever you believe God wants you to preach. And he said, you know, if you want to preach along the Christmas lines, that's fine. If you have something else, I said, well, I'll be honest with you, preacher. Uh, my mind's probably uh, already in Luke 15. And he said, that sounds good. You preach what God puts on your heart. And I know he'll be watching this later. And I'm expecting that he's in church this morning now and not playing hooky. Amen. And uh, so he said, I'm going to watch it, but I'll have to wait till afternoon. And uh, so I got to make sure that I keep my P's and Q's right. Amen. Uh, because I know he's going to be watching. All right. But Luke 15. And um, we're going to read the entire chapter. The Bible said here, Then drew near unto him, that's Jesus Christ, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And I think heaven must have rejoiced when they heard the criticism that the Pharisees gave right there. Because that's the whole reason Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this earth, was to receive sinners, amen, to save sinners. And so the Bible says He spake, that's Christ, spake this parable unto them, that's the Pharisees. That's the, that's the religious crowd that is not saved. They do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They have a standard of living that if you don't live up to their standard, then you can't be a part of their, their group and very, very critical of others, and, and, and you can see they're critical. Listen, when you're, when you're critical of God, you're too critical, amen? <laughs> when your religion leads you to be critical of the Son of God, your religion's wrong, okay? And, and so Christ gives this parable to them, and really, it's about them. It's a parable for them. And it's a threefold parable. So let's read these three stories. The Bible said, what man of you 
having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home and calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Watch the rejoicing that takes place. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Notice again the rejoicing that is taking place here. The Bible said, likewise, this is the second time he said this, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Don't ever lose our joy over seeing people get saved by the grace of God. Now he's going to give the third parable, the third story within this parable. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Watch, watch this next phrase. And he divided unto them his living. A lot of times we hear the parable of the prodigal son and we're almost led to believe that he just gave the prodigal his inheritance. But he gave both of these young men his inheritance on that day. And the Bible said not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring in his hand, or excuse me, on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Now this is the third party. This is the, the, the third period of rejoicing in this threefold parable. And, and so they began to be married. They're rejoicing. This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry. And in verse 25, now his elder son, his elder son was, was, was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, if, if you're understanding the context, he's talking to the Pharisees who murmured against him because he was receiving sinners. And so the elder son is in type the Pharisees, alright? And he said, he's, he hears the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come, 
And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Notice that. That's where the father is. And he wouldn't go into where the father was, because he was angry. Therefore came his father out. His father didn't have any, any more compassion, any more love for one son than the other. The same father that was looking for the prodigal is looking for the self-righteous older brother. He came looking for him. And the Bible said he entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. In other words, I, don't, I didn't have to bring you a fatted calf or kill a kid. Man, you've got it all. You've got the whole farm. He's getting a calf. You've got the whole farm, son. You've been here all along. And he said, all that I have is thine. It was meat. In other words, it was fitting that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now, Lord, that thy sweet spirit, Lord, would speak through me as I preach the word of God. Lord, I'm just a man, and I'm just preaching to men and women, boys and girls. Lord God, if that's, if, if that's all that goes on this Sunday morning, if it's, just, if it's just James Ruttman speaking to these people, Lord, then there's not really much of eternal value that's going to take place. But Lord, if you'll open my eyes and open my mind and open, Lord, my mouth, Lord, and help me to preach what thus saith the Lord. And if you'll open the ears of the listeners, Lord, I believe there's some things of eternal, uh, uh, Lord, decisions and eternal matters that could be transacted here this morning. Lord, I believe lives could be changed. Lord God, I believe decisions could be made that would affect and alter eternity. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work this morning, Lord. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I need you this morning. We sing that song, brother, we've met to worship. And we sing, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And we need your Spirit to empower us as we preach the Word of God this morning. We ask for that humbly, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love this morning to preach about the Pharisees. And you cannot preach Luke 15 without talking about the Pharisees at some point or another. Because that's what all of these stories are about. And that's the context. But I want to try to focus more, more on the stories that he's giving. And, 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 and I really want to focus on a common theme. And I guess if I could put a title on the message, it would just simply be this. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, that, that'd be the title of this morning's message. Lord, I'm coming home. Now again, uh, just for the sake of introduction, uh, the, 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 the context of the passage is the Pharisees and scribes murmuring because the publicans and sinners were coming out in great numbers to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was their criticism of Him. This man, talking about Christ, receiveth sinners. I tell you, man, I hope I get to a place in my life, amen, where, where we can go to Ghana, West Africa, or wherever I happen to be at, and, and sinners feel free to be able to talk to me about the things of God. Amen. I know that we stand for truth and we believe this Bible, but we must never get to a place where sinners can't talk to us, where we have this persona and this spirit and this attitude about us that we don't welcome sinners here at our church. Amen. Ours is for just the high and holy. Ours is for the elite Baptist. Amen. And sinner, God help us never to be that way. God help me never to be that way. Amen. And so, so that's their criticism. And, 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 and so Christ responding to them in, in earshot of the sinners and publicans that are listening as well, Christ gives this threefold parable. And, and, and in these parables, or in this parable with three stories, 
there was a message of hope for the publicans who were listening. And I hope if you're here and you're not saved, and I hope there's someone here not saved this morning. I hope, I hope that we have people that are in this service that are not saved, and I hope you get saved before you leave this morning. Amen. You're in the right place where you're about to hear the gospel preached, and you could have walked in here a sinner on your way to hell, and you could walk out of here saved and on your way to heaven. Amen. You say, you really believe that? I'm putting my life on it. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And so there was a message of hope for the publicans. There was a message of love for the Pharisees. Christ loved, the, the father loved that elder brother. He went out for, Christ loved Pharisees. Not that he didn't love them. The problem never is God's love. God loves all of us equally. The problem is they didn't love him. <laughs> They're critical. He wasn't critical of them. They're critical of him, all right? And so there was a message of love for the Pharisees. And there was a message of forgiveness for his disciples that were with him to learn in these parables. And so God help us, no matter where we are in our walk with God, or whether we even have a walk with God or not, that God uses this message in each heart this morning as He can. Now, I want to, I, I, I try to keep things real simple. Number one, because I try to be simple. Amen. When so, I've sat on that side. I've had to listen to preachers. Amen. And I've had to listen to preachers get long-winded and preach things and use words I couldn't even understand. Alright? And, and I'm sitting there and, and I don't care. Listen, I, listen. when you're on that side, the clock goes slow. When you're on this side, the clock goes fast. Amen, all right? I mean, it just flies on this side. And, and, and so, but I want to I I keep your attention. So I try to keep things simple. And there's a really simple truth here. Three simple truths. Each one of these stories has, has the same truths that I want to give you this morning. And if you walk out and do not understand the message, it's because you were thinking about Christmas dinner or what you're going to do this afternoon. All right? Because I, I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can for all of us. All right? So in, in all three of these stories we're going to learn this morning, here's, here's point number one. Someone or something was lost in all three of these stories. Somebody or something was lost. The Lord gives the story of a lost sheep, of a lost silver, a piece of silver, and a lost son. Actually, I think by the end of the message you'll agree with me there was two lost sons, all right? And then I want to say this. People get lost then just like sheep get lost in our story of the lost sheep. The Bible said all we, all we, that's everybody sitting in church here this morning. All we like sheep have gone astray. Is there anybody here that wants to raise your hand and say I've never sinned once in my whole life? Because if you raise your hand, you're sinning. <laughs> All right. Oliver Green, an evangelist from years gone by, he said, I had a man told me he hadn't sinned in 15 years. Oliver Green said, I looked over and told him, you need to start pulling your suit coat back. And he said, I started unbuttoning his dress shirt. And the man said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for some pin feathers. You hadn't sinned in 15 years. You ought to be starting on a set of wings right now. He said, the man got mad and actually cursed me. He said, I said, there, you just busted your streak. You just sinned. Amen. All right. The point is we all sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. To sin, I hate to say it this way, but to sin is human. I'm not justifying it. I'm just telling you, sinners sin. And that's what we do. All we like sheep have gone astray. But then I want to say, people get lost just like the silver coin as well. That silver coin had no will of its own. That silver coin, it just, it, 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 the sheep went astray, but it just had a sudden fall. It just fell. Somewhere, uh, there was a force of the power of gravity. In fact, let me read what John uh, Phillips said about this. He said, the coin was lost through no fault of its own, but through forces over which it had no control. It came under the influence of the power of gravity, and it was gone, lost in the darkness and in the dirt. The likeness of a king stamped upon it became defiled. Worse still... It had no awareness of the fact that it was even lost. Man, that's pretty powerful when you think, because that's where, that's where a lot of, I'm, I'm just being honest with you, at one point or another in our lives, we've probably been there, amen. 
We fell through a, a sudden fall. We're sinners. We, as sheep, we make that choice to go astray. Sometimes it's all of a sudden we just realize, man, how did we get here? And, and it's sad when people are, are blind to the fact that they're blind. When they're so lost, they don't even realize they're lost. I mean, that's a bad place to be. But then I want to watch, uh, 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 notice this as well. People get lost like sheep, they go astray. They get lost like that silver coin through a sudden fall. But then people get lost like these two sons did. One through the rebellion of sin and the other through the rebellion of self-righteousness. Not, not, you know, we, you know, we look at sinners and, and, and it's easy to just put them in a category and say, oh, there are filthy sinners out there. But we can have self-righteous sinners sitting in church too. Amen. And, and it doesn't matter to me if, if your sin is filthy sin or if it's pride and self-righteousness. In God's eyes, it's still sin. And so both of these young men, they're lost. One in the sin of, of that rebellion and one in the sin of his righteousness, his self-righteousness. And look how good I am and how bad my brother is. All right. Then in our story, and, I wanna, and I'm not preaching on this this morning, and I'm watching my time because I really need to be done by 1130, all right? But, but, but I'm watching my time, but, but I just want to say something about the far country. I don't want to preach on the far country, but I, but I want to say this because we see this boy in our text, he goes out into the far country. And, and the far country in our text was measured geographically. It was measured in miles. That boy left his father's geographic location and went to the far country. But can I tell you this morning, the far country is not always geographical. And there's a reason that we have young people sitting in our churches. And man, I'm telling you, they're raised up in a, sometimes a pastor's home, sometimes a member's home in a church, and they're 17 and 18, and all of a sudden they're gone. They, they didn't just disappear. They were in the far country in their mind long before they went there in miles. Amen? Can I tell you, you can sit in a church, amen, and be in the far country, even while the preacher's preaching about the far country, amen? The far country, sometimes it's a matter of morals. Sometimes it's a matter of the mind. But can I just tell you, if you're here this morning, and, and you're contemplating, and this section of the message is for those that aren't there, but you're contemplating the far country. Can I tell you, young people especially, can I tell you some things about the far country real quick, and then we'll kind of click back into the message, all right? Number one, the far country, it'll take everything you have, and they'll give you nothing in return. The far country took everything that boy had. His money, his riches, his pleasure, his good times, his friends. It took it all and left him nothing in return. It'll take your money. Young people, it'll take your morality. It'll take your youthfulness. It'll take your vigor. Man, downtown Sioux Falls. We just got finished planting the church there. And we're down there at the location we are on purpose trying to reach specific groups of people, whether it's immigrants or whether it's homeless people that are overlooked by society. Can I tell you how many times I had a person come in uh, to the church building, just come walking in on a regular day off of the street there on East 10th and come walking in, and I'd think I was talking to somebody that was 50 or 60, and then I'd be shocked to find out there's only 25 or 30, but I'm going to tell you that lifestyle, it prematurely ages you. The far country and sin, it'll suck the life out of you. It'll suck the health and vigor away from you. It will. And I just say this as an older man to younger people, stay away from the far country. Don't go there. Amen. It'll take your passion. It'll rob you of your pride. It'll take your sobriety. It'll take your virginity. It'll take your time. If you're saved and you go to the far country, it'll take your testimony. It'll take you away from your family. It'll take you away from friends. It'll take you away from true comfort and true care when you really need that comfort and care as this boy did and had nobody there with him to help him. That's what the far country will do. The Bible said he came to a place where in his need that he had, he would fain have filled his belly 
with the husk that the swine did eat. Understand, this is a Hebrew boy. This isn't just any boy. This is a, he, this is a Hebrew Christ giving a Hebrew parable to a Hebrew audience, and swine were an abomination. This boy is so low that even within his own culture, putting the things of God aside, they couldn't stand swine. It was an abomination. And this boy's in a hog pen trying to slop with the hogs. That's what the far country will do for you. That's tragic and that's sad. It's a place that has some tremendously high highs. Can I tell you, the far country feels good to start with. <laughs> People wouldn't go if it didn't feel good. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But I'm telling you, it has lower lows. That far country will take you, it feels so good, and it'll drop you off, and you'll go to a place that you didn't think you could go that low. And it could get that terrible. That's what it'll do for you. And listen, and then I'm saying last, and, and I like this about, the, this, this is the one thing I like about the far country. You say, preacher, there's something good about the far Oh yeah, there's, there's something I want to point out that, that, that God showed me that really, it, it kind of fired me up, amen, because of all the folks that I know that have been in the far country and we prayed for them. The far country is a place that'll prove once and for all whether you're a son or not. That boy's in the hog pen, and there ain't never been a hog in the hog pen that lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, I believe I'm going to go back home. Lord, I'm coming home. I've got a father back home, and Matt, the hired servants of my fathers have better food and better care than what I have here in the hog pen. Hogs don't care about that because they're hogs. they got a hog nature. Sinners that are living out in the filth of their sin, they don't think those kind of thoughts. Amen? But someone who's saved and who's went out to the far country, who's rebelled against their morals, who's rebelled against their upbringing, who's rebelled against the Savior that saved them, they get in that far country, and they get in that low place. It's a place that will prove their sonship. If they're saved, they're sooner or later they'll come to themselves and say, what am I doing here? I do not belong. And that boy, he got repentant real quickly. He began, I think he probably memorized his prayer. I think he probably said, I'm going to go back and say, Father, I've sinned in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Uh, make me as one of thy hired servants. Father, I've sinned in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And I think he probably recited that all the way from the far country back to the father's house. Father. People say, well, is the boy lost or saved? I don't think that's the point of the parable. I think it applies either way. I mean, one place it says, this my son was lost and is found. But the fact is, he's a son. You can argue it both ways. I think God left it open-ended because there are sinners that need to get saved. And if that's you this morning, the title's Lord, I'm coming home. You could get saved this morning. But if you backslidden and went away from God, can I tell you that God that you, that you backslidden, you say, well, he's angry and he's upset with me and he doesn't want me coming back. Can I tell you, God's waiting for you to come back. God's waiting with open arms. You say, well, you don't know how much I've disappointed God, but he do, he, God does and He loves you just like the Father in this passage loved His Son. God loves you. You say, well, I've disappointed my parents. I've disappointed my church. I've disappointed society. Can I tell you, you may have disappointed everyone, but God is still here with open arms and so is this church. They're, they want you to come on home. Amen? And so, so I'm just simply saying the far country will prove whether you're a hog, whether you're a son. Amen? It will prove whether you're a sinner or whether you're a saint. Now watch this. And i got to roll because it's 11.18. I've got 12 minutes, alright? i, I got to get done, alright? You, if you get mad at the preacher because he went to 11.31 instead of 11.30, I'll be just as mad at him, alright? Listen, there's someone that was lost, but then all three of these perils, parables, there was someone who was looking as well. I, I, it's simple. It's very simple. Someone was lost. Someone was looking. In the story of the lost sheep, the shepherd goes out looking for the sheep. That's a picture of the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, amen, who gave his life for the sheep. Don't tell me 
He don't want to find you if you've done got yourself lost. Amen. He wants to, he's the shepherd looking for his sheep. And then in the story of the lost silver, this woman represents the sweet spirit of God lighting the candle of a man's conscience and sweeping the heart as he searches diligently looking for that which is lost. Have you ever had to look for something that you lost in your home? Maybe a coin like she lost? You know how hard it is to find? I dropped it. Man, I'm a diabetic. And I, I got these little glipizide pills. Well, you can't just have glipizide pills laying around on the floor when kids are in your house. And you sure can't have it when you have a little puppy dog. Amen. And, and I lost a glipizide pill. We was actually in a fellowship hall of a church. And I lost and I'm like, man, it's got to be down here somewhere. And man, brother, we looked for, I think, probably close to an hour for that. Never did find it. We found it like two months later. In, in some shoe or something somewhere at our house. And like, where did that come from? It's like, well, that's where. But listen, here's the point. You're looking and you can't find it. This woman, she's looking at nighttime because it's dark. That's where sinners are, and that's where, that's where backsliders go to. They go to the dark and, and, and the dirt, and she's looking. And, and they didn't have light switches in those days where she could just go flip a light switch. And she, had to, she had to light a candle. Have you ever had to look and move furniture around in your living room? Or your dining room. I mean, it's hard to move furniture, amen? Especially if you're a lady, it's hard to move furniture. And, and at nighttime, holding the candle. But she represents the sweet spirit of God, amen? Who's constantly moving, looking, stirring, trying to find, help that sinner find his way home. That backslider find their way back to the Lord, amen? That's what the, that's what the woman represents. But then, then in the parable of the prodigal sons, the father represents the father. And there's a father looking for his son. Can I tell you, if you're here and you're a sinner, God is your creator is looking for his creation. And if you're here and you're saved and you've backslidden on God, God is your savior is looking for his child. Amen. Either way, he's looking. People say, well, I'm going to turn 17 or 18 and I'm going to run away from my house and I'm going to run away from my church and I'm going to run away from God. If you're saved, you can't run away from God. Amen. <laughs> Man, I'm going to tell you, you, say, I'm running to the hog pen. He's waiting on you at the hog pen. Amen. I promise you. Who do you think put it in his mind to say, my father's got, he's got hired servants back there. Who do you think ordered the famine that put him in the hog pen? God did, amen. I'm simply saying that you have the picture of the Godhead all involved in type in these parables of God looking for a sinner. There's the good shepherd, there's the sweet spirit, and there's the heavenly father. And if you're here this morning and you're not right with God or you're not saved, maybe you're here and you're a good upstanding church member and you have one indiscretion in your life and that thing has bothered you, and God's lit His candle on that, and it's got you tore up on the inside, can I tell you, you are simply one prayer away from being forgiven. You just got to tell the Lord and get it taken care of. He wants to forgive you. Amen. I'm glad I serve that kind of a God, aren't you? He wants to forgive. Can I tell you this? Somebody said, well, the Father wasn't looking like the shepherd and like the woman. And can I tell you the reason for that? That, that, that sheep goes out there, but it's not like a person. That silver has no will of its own. They can go out and find the sheep and the silver and bring them back. But people, when you look for people, they have their own will. And God's a gentleman. And God doesn't force people against their will. And that father could not go to the far country and say, I'm going to go to where he is. I'm going to find him and make him come back. Parents, can I just say this to you real quickly? If your kids are 15, 16, 17, and I'm telling you they're headed to the far country, there comes a point, I hate to tell you this, the father, he divided the inheritance to the kids. Everything that boy went out and squandered was a gift from his father. He did not manipulate him into doing right. You can't manipulate your children to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You cannot. Behavioral manipulation is not the answer. There's got to be a heart tie. 
to the things of God, to God Himself. Amen? And so the Father couldn't go out and make His Son come home. But I'll tell you what He could do. And I'll tell you what you can do if you have a child or a grandchild that's one astray. I'll tell you what you can do. You get on your knees like I believe this Father did. And you can pray to the God of Heaven. Amen? And see, you know, this is interesting because I can be standing right here if I wanted to right now while I'm preaching. I could pull my phone out. I could video call Pastor Dari who's seven or six hours away from here. Well, it's not six hours. He's... he's, he's, he's He's, he's in Africa, but time zones. He's six time zones away from here. I could pick up my phone right now. I could call him right now. I could video call him right now. We could put him on the screen where y'all could see him. He would talk, and you would hear him with absolutely no time delay. You say, how, 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 how can you do that? Because he has a phone, and I have a phone. And there's a satellite up there somewhere, and my phone's hitting that satellite, and his phone's hitting that satellite. And the second that my phone hits that satellite, his phone connects, and we can talk. <laughs> and we can see each other, and there's no time delay. I want to thank God that they hadn't figured out how to, how, 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 to, how to project smell across the world. Amen. You'll be very thankful that it's only, it's only sight and sound that carries through the airwaves. Amen. Pray that they never, whoever invents it, I don't think he'd be a millionaire. Okay, all right? You don't want those smells over here. Listen, I'm just simply saying that my phone can touch that satellite and his phone. And can I tell you, God's a lot bigger than that satellite. And you may have a kid. You may have a grandchild. They may live next door. They may live across the country. I don't know, but they may be in the far country. They may have left. They may have left the Father's house. They may have left their church. You say, man, they act like they left God. But can I tell you, there is still a God in heaven and you can get on your knees and pray to the God of heaven. We can't. You, I'm, I'm telling you, and, I, and I'm saying this because I think I need to say this. I don't know it. I don't know any of you except for my sister-in-law and brother-in-law back here. The rest of you I don't know. So I can say this, all right, uh, with, without having anybody think, well, he's talking about me. If you have a kid or grandkid going astray, uh, and I know they don't yet, amen, praise the Lord, amen. But, but, but if that's you this morning and you have someone that's going astray and it burdens your heart, can I tell you, you can't. You can't keep calling them and preaching at them every time you call them. You can't just beat them up every time. They Listen, yeah, I mean, you can't be in fellowship with them. Amen. This boy's out there. He can't be in fellowship with his father. And you keep it. But you can't. There, God is going to have to work in their heart. And God can through your prayers. And keep praying. This, the Bible said when his son was a far way off. You know what that means? He was looking. He was, he was praying to the God of heaven that rules in the affairs of men. But he was looking, hoping that son would come home. And buddy, when he came home, he was waiting for him, and he saw him a long way off. I'm just simply trying to say, in all these stories, someone was lost, and in all these stories, someone was looking. And if you're here this morning, you might be lost, either in sin or in just backslidden. There's someone looking for you. He's called God, and He loves you. And He wants you back more, far more far more. And if you're sitting here and your spiritual suspenders are about to pop and you can feel that hair and you're like, Brother Rutman's preaching something here. Like, we ought to accept backsliders back and we ought to accept sinners in. Don't be the Pharisee. I'm not talking about if they're unrepentant, but if they're repentant, you bring them back in. Amen. When, when their attitude is, Father, I have sinned. Amen. And they're evidencing repentance. Amen. The same God that loved you as a rebel loves them and wants to save them. You say, well, preacher, you don't know how many times this one's went astray. You don't know how many times you've went astray. I bet you can't count it either. Amen. <laughs> We've all went astray multiple times. And I'm not giving any kind of license to sin. I'm just telling you that God loves sinners. Amen. And God loves His children. He loves... And if, and if, you're, if you need to get right with Him, man, we're going to have an altar call. He's going to have an invitation here in just a little bit. And man, you come down here and get right with Him or get saved this morning. You don't have to leave here lost, not right with God. God loves you. He wants you right with Him. Amen. Lastly, 
in all three of these stories, it's 1126, I got four minutes, all right, I'm closing the Bible, all right, here we go. In all three of these stories, somebody was lost, somebody was looking, somebody was located. In all three of these stories, somebody was found, something was found. In the parable of the sheep, there that shepherd goes out, leaving the 99, looking for that one lost sheep, and he found them, come home and have a party. And in the parable of the lost silver, there's that woman lighting that candle, and she's sweeping diligently. She's trying to find that piece of silver, but she found it. That's the whole point. She found it. Amen. God's looking for sinners, and God wants to find sinners and backslidden sons. Amen. She found it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And they're rejoicing. And in the parable of the two lost sons, here comes that boy home. That father's been praying. That father, the Bible said, he had compassion on him. Can I say this? And, I, and again, I'm not trying to preach it in this way at all. But I, but I feel led to say this. Does your lost son or daughter know that you still love them? Does your lost grandchildren know that you still have compassion on them? I mean, we need to be holy. Lines, lines need to be drawn. When people live in sin, I understand fellowship has to be broken, but people need to know that, man, if they get right with God, they're welcome to come back home. Amen. They don't feel, they, they ought never, you ought never have to feel like you've got to grovel over broken glass for a hundred yards and for three years before anybody back home will fellowship with you. Amen. If, you, if you've wandered far away from God, can I tell you there's a God in heaven that's looking for you right now. The Bible said he saw his son and he had compassion on him. That is, that is a quality of God. It's called compassion. Man, he saw him and he had compassion on him. And the Bible said he ran to where he was. That's compassion. Telling you if, if, you're, if you're here and you've got sin in your life, there's a God in heaven waiting for you to make a move to the altar. Amen. And he'll run to meet you and he'll forgive you. He'll save you. Or he'll let you get right with him. Whatever your need is, he'll, I'm telling you, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Just because he's God, that's it. Hey, watch this. The Bible said he ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Can I just, can I remind you, that boy just come out of the hog pen. He wasn't down at Bath and Body Works at the Empire Mall in Sioux Falls. He was, he was in the hog pen. He didn't smell like pearls and lace. That the hog was an abomination to the Jewish son was just as much of an abomination to the Jewish father. Sin ought to be an abomination to all of us. Amen. The father did not in any way, shape, or form justify the sin. That's not what he's doing. But he loved the sinner. And he didn't wait for the sinner to get the slop off him to go hug him. Amen. The Bible said he ran down there and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. That boy had been feeding with the hogs. He's filthy like a hog. He's dirty like a hog. And there's the father loving him and having compassion and falling on his neck and kissing him. And if that causes you to rise up this morning and say, well, I'm going to tell you right now, can I just say this? I'm not preaching on this, but don't be a Pharisee. Because that's the whole point of this parable. That's exactly what they were saying. They were like, this man receiveth sinners. Why, if he knew what they had done, if this, if this man Christ knew what that woman had done, if he knew that Mary was a prostitute, if he knew she was a, if he knew what they had done, can I tell you, this man was put to death between two sinners, and one of them repented and got saved on his way out, and the other one didn't and didn't get saved. Amen? He's willing to receive any that's willing to repent. Amen? But can I tell you, there he comes home. My time's up. There he comes home. That boy comes home. His father sees him, runs out there. And he calls for a party. He said, hey, bring out the best robe. Man, if you study Jewish history, there was a robe, amen, that was a servant's robe. There was a robe that was a son's robe. There was a robe that was a father's robe. Commentator said he got the father's robe right there. That's how much he loved him, amen. The Bible said, he said, put, 
put a ring on his finger. Again, if you study Jewish history, there was a ring that signified you were a servant. There was a ring that signified you were a son. There was a special ring that only the father wore. Again, some of the commentators say that's the ring that was put on his finger. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm t- it wouldn't surprise me. Amen. And he said, put, put, put shoes on his feet. This, my son, was lost and is found. Amen. And there was rejoicing. And there's an older brother coming in out of the field who had never left the father's house except to obey his father and go to the field. This isn't a boy that's living out in sin. I'm going to make a statement, and I know this may be controversial, and I don't want it to be controversial, but I am just as burdened about prodigals running out into sin out of our churches as, as I am about kids getting a ritualistic religion, amen, that makes them come to church on Sunday morning and keeps them in fellowship with the church, but their heart's not there. It doesn't matter to me if you're out on the sin of immorality or if you're sitting here in the rebellion of pride. At the end of the day, what matters is if you're in fellowship with the Father or not. And you can't be in the fellowship of the Father in either one of those cases. And here's a kid who's been in the house, who's never went astray physically, but he's not with his father in his mind. You say, how do you know? Because when his father showed compassion, and when his father said, I'll forgive him, and when his father said, we're going to rejoice and make merry, he would not go in and fellowship with his own father. And his father had to come out looking for him. And he said, son, oh... Man, you got all I have. Man, I mean, all that I have is yours. Come on in and fellowship. And we end the story. The sheep, or excuse me, the sheep is in the fold. The silver's in its in the home. The prodigal's back in the home. And guess who's not in the home? The older brother. Tragic. He represented the Pharisees. I hope and pray we have no one like that here in church this morning. I really do. I pray that nobody would have that attitude. If we ever get that attitude as a church, I preach this every church I pass. Every church I start. If we ever get that attitude, we're losing, we're forfeiting our right to be called a church because Jesus is the head of the church and he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we ain't no more looking for sinners. We're no more a church. Amen. We're going to bow our heads and close our eyes here in just a moment, but here's the questions I'm going to ask real quickly and then he's going to come and have the invitation. Uh, play the piano or, or, or whatever you do here for invitation. Uh, I want to say this. If you're here and you're not saved, you say, I don't understand what salvation is. I'm begging you. Come down and talk to uh, this brother that led this thing and talk to Brother Motter back here. Talk to my brother-in-law, Jerry. Talk to one of these men in the church. They'll take God's Word and show you how to be saved. If you're a lady, there's a lady here that'll take God's Word and show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. We don't want you to leave here lost, not sure where you're going to spend eternity. There's a God looking for you. There's a God that brought you here this morning. You, be- you better mark it down. You didn't know I was going to be here, and I didn't know you was going to be here. Amen. But we're both here at the same time. God orchestrated that. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved this morning. And if you're here and you are saved, can I say it this way? If there's ever been a time that you were closer to God than you are right now, get back sudden. You need to get right with the Lord. And can I just tell you, He's waiting for you. He, man, he, he has open arms. He's, he's just waiting for you to say, hey, First John says, but if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You get taken care of this morning. Let's pray. And the invitation will be on. Lord, thank you for working in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for this text. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of the character of God Himself, Lord. And we know that you, you're the opposite of sin. We know that you hate sin. We know the Bible said that God is angry with the wicked every day. He'll not at all acquit the wicked. We know that an unrepentant sinner dies and spends eternity in hell. And it has to be that way. But it's not your will. It's not your desire. You said it's not your will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that's not saved, as we have this altar call, as we have the pianist begin to play a verse of invitation, Lord, I pray they'd come forward and get saved.
And if we have someone this morning, Lord, that's just not where they need to be with you spiritually. Lord, may they just get the... Lord, just wipe that slate clean this morning and just confess their sin to you and get right with God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.